Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas, and thank you for joining us for Texas Ag Today. I'm your host, Jessica Dolmel, sitting in for Carrie Martin. I'm joined by the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. In the aftermath of that big winter storm last month, there remain implications for the ongoing calving season in the Texas High Plains. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Daylight saving time begins on Sunday. Are farmers really the reason that we move our clocks forward? I'll have more coming up. The Texas House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock hears testimony on the agricultural losses from Winter Storm Erie. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas Wildlife News, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Don't forget to roll your clocks forward this weekend. Daylight saving time begins at 2 a.m. on Sunday. There is a popular misconception surrounding the time change. It was enacted by Congress in 1918. Some say it was encouraged by farmers who wanted more time in the fields in the daylight. But why was it really enacted? We originally did it hoping to save energy. That is the late Michael Downing in a video explanation posted by Tufts University. He said that at the time, people thought they were wasting the early morning hours of sunlight by having their blinds closed. They thought by simply changing the time, they could better take advantage of the daylight hours. In his book, The Annual Madness of Daylight Saving Time, Downing said of the people he talked to, many blamed farmers, but none of them actually knew farmers. He said most of the people realized they didn't know why farmers would want to delay the time of sunrise from April through October when everyone in the Northern Hemisphere enjoys later sunsets than in January. Ray Atkinson, Director of Communications for the American Farm Bureau Federation, said a group of farmers on the East Coast actually took their opposition of the time change to the Supreme Court. They demanded a return to standard time. They ultimately lost their lawsuit. Downing said in the video from Tufts, we only have standard time for four months out of the year. So essentially, daylight saving time has become our standard time. He said he doesn't believe it will ever go away. There may be some changes at the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo this year due to the pandemic, but one thing hasn't changed. You can still watch your favorite horse and livestock shows. You just can't do it in person. Simply log on to RodeoHouston.com to see the live stream. That's RodeoHouston.com. Ranchers on the Texas High Plains should keep an eye out for illness and injury that could be caused by the freezing weather they experienced in February. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. 
As we talked about previously, following the big freeze, we have seen lingering effects in some Texas High Plains cattle, digestive system and respiratory problems, and frostbite injury among them. Those issues have been and are being addressed, of course, but because the storm struck right at the onset of calving season, Dr. Jesse Monday of the Texas A&M Veterinary Medical Diagnostic Lab in Canyon says ranchers also need to be watching the cows very closely just to see if there's any impact to the mammary tissue or if they were stressed, especially the young heifers, make sure those heifers are actually providing milk, that they're actually lactating and they don't have damage to their mammary tissue, but also from the metabolic stress that they are actually lactating and providing that nutrition to the young. And Dr. Monday says when it comes to births that have yet to occur, I would definitely keep a close eye on the heifers to make sure that if they're actively calving, make sure none of the heifers are stressed enough to the point that they might need help during the calving process and watching to make sure that the animals get up and get that first milk feed as soon as possible. Dr. Monday also advises check bulls for any reproductive tract abnormalities or injuries. Meanwhile, although area ranchers deserve praise for actions that minimized death losses, some did occur, and Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavides reminds us assistance is available through the Livestock Indemnity Program. It's a very valuable asset. It's one of those things that all you have to do is apply and document your losses, and you should receive a payment. But the window for applying is rapidly closing, as losses must be reported within 30 days of when they occurred. So contact FSA as soon as possible. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There is help out there for Texas farmers, ranchers, and dairymen impacted by the winter storm in February. Tom Nicoletti has that report. For today's program, we go to Austin, and Russell Baining is our guest. He is president of the Texas Farm Bureau. And Russell, you were among a number of representatives from various agricultural organizations that delivered testimony to the House Committee on Agriculture and Livestock uh, at the state capitol. One of those uh, groups was uh, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, and uh, they are estimating $608 million in losses to the citrus livestock and vegetable industry in Texas, and those are preliminary numbers that are expected to uh, more than likely go even higher. What was your main message to the Agriculture and Livestock Committee about the winter storm and the losses from Farm Bureau's perspective? Well, Tom, our main message from our perspective was that there's programs out there, there's there's things that can help our producers, some type of disaster programs. We just need them implemented. We need to be able to timely access them. We need to get the information out to our producers. Some of these programs may need to be um, tweaked a little bit, adjusted. Some of these federal programs, quite frankly, didn't necessarily have a winter storm part of the uh, of the disaster declaration. So uh, whether it's uh, what we call WIP Plus, which is the wildfire hurricane indemnity uh, program, it didn't have these, the winter storm designation. So we're just looking for things that can, can help our producers at this time, whether it be crop losses, livestock losses, and and hopefully some of our state agencies can help us with that. One of the points you addressed during the committee hearing was access to USDA's uh, Farm Service uh, Agency offices. And of course, uh, over the last year, access to those FSA 
the offices has uh, been curtailed, uh, very limited due to the uh, pandemic, but yet uh, you address that situation in regards to having better access for uh, farmers uh, and other producers uh, because of the winter storm. That's correct, Tom. Many of our producers, they've adjusted. They're able to do some of this by email and, and by phone calls, but a lot of our producers just still like the little bit of the help that you get from our, our well-qualified FSA employees. Sometimes some one-on-one aid there and, and interaction is good. So we'd just like to encourage our uh, FSA offices to, even in a limited capacity, if they can open up for the producers that need it, I think it would really, really benefit producers across this state. We know that whether it's poultry houses or other type of livestock facilities were damaged from the snow and the ice, maybe some type of help there. From what we understand, there's FEMA aid to help if these buildings are flooded. But again, damage from snow and ice is not included. That is Texas Farm Bureau President Russell Baining joining us today from Austin. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hunger and climate change were front and center at congressional hearings this week as farmers and food bank officials took on key challenges facing U.S. agriculture amid the historic pandemic. When the chips were down during the height of the pandemic, American Farm Bureau President Zippy Duval told the House Ag Committee the nation's farmers lifted the hungry up. Farmers across the country took it to, into their own hands to address hunger. Our county and state farm bureaus work with churches and community centers to help uh, meet the need. Our network of state and county farm bureaus across the country donated $5.4 million, 1.4 million pounds of food, and 20,000 gallons of milk to local food banks and food pantries. As demand skyrocketed, AFBF and Feeding America sought help from USDA, which stood up the Farmers to Families Food Box program that delivered more than 140 million food boxes last year. And the need is growing in rural areas. Food insecurity has crept into the rural communities, into our schools, and into our neighborhoods. To further address this uh, need, Benefits under the USDA Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program have increased more than $7 billion per month. Duval credited lawmakers for extending enhanced SNAP benefits in the latest virus relief bill, while food bank officials urged more federal help for SNAP, TFAP, WIC, and other anti-hunger efforts. Across the hill at Senate Ag, it was all about climate change. Arizona Farm Bureau Chief Stephanie Smallhouse for Farm Bureau. Any policy that addresses proactive measures to influence climate conditions cannot be one size fits all. Every farm and ranch is unique and policy considerations must be able to encompass the distinctive needs of everything from corn and soybeans to leafy greens and public lands grazing. Farm Bureau's small house says U.S. growers through voluntary conservation have already offset more than their 10 percent of U.S. emissions, while farming globally accounts for 24 percent of carbon pollution. The deadline for farmers and ranchers to sign a contract for agriculture risk coverage or price loss coverage for the 2021 crop year is Monday. If you have not yet signed your contract for the new year, contact your local Farm Service Agency office. Call ahead as appointments may be required. Millions of fish along the Texas coast were killed by freezing temperatures. I'll have more coming up. Don't keep horse tranquilizers unsecured in your barn or vehicle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will explain why, coming up right here on Texas Ag Today. 
After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some illegal drug users may be seeking out horse medicines. Dr. Bob Judd explains why you shouldn't keep them in your barn or your vehicle. Xylazine is commonly used in equine practice as a sedative and tranquilizer as it is safe, dependable, and inexpensive compared to some other drugs used in horses. However, one concern with the drug is that it can be deadly in humans depending on the amount of drug ingested or injected, so veterinarians are always careful about dispensing this drug for horse owners to have in their barns or emergency kits. Recently, a study in Philadelphia found that this tranquilizer has been found in nearly one-third of the fatal opioid overdose cases in humans in that city. The drug xylazine in humans causes very low blood pressure and low heart rate, and illicit drug users in Puerto Rico have been taking xylazine with opioids for years, and now it is being found in the illegal drug supply in the United States. Apparently, many illegal drug combinations are now containing xylazine, and it has been shown that the chance of drug overdose and death increases if xylazine is added to the drug combinations. It is believed that adding xylazine to the illegal drug combinations in humans makes the effect of the drug last longer. The important factor for horse owners to realize is that drug users are now looking for this drug, and it is not a good idea to keep these drugs in your barn or in unlocked vehicles. These drugs are extremely dangerous, and dermosidan is another drug that is the same class that is also deadly in humans. This type of illicit drug use is what causes some drugs to become controlled substances, which generally increases their price and limits their use. So if you have horse medication like xylazine or dermosidan, treat them like they are deadly drugs in humans and lock them up. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. An estimated 3.8 million fish were killed along the Texas coast during the freeze in February. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department released its preliminary estimate earlier this week. The department says 61 species of fish were impacted. 91% of those were non-recreational fish, including silver perch, hardhead catfish, pinfish, bay anchovy, and striped mullet. While non-game fish are not sought by most anglers, the department notes they are ecologically important. They provide food for larger game fish and add to the overall diversity of Texas bays. Nine percent of the fish killed during the freeze were game fish. The dominant game fish impacted are spotted sea trout, black drum, sheep's head, sand sea trout, red drum, gray snapper, and red snapper. Of the game fish, about 48% of those killed were spotted sea trout. Both the upper and lower Laguna Madre Bay systems were particularly hard hit by the freeze. Robin Rikers, the Coastal Fisheries Division Director, said using history as a guide, they believe the fishery has the potential to bounce back fairly quickly, just as it did after the freezes in the 1980s. 
TPWD-biologists continue to monitor the situation on the Texas coast. In the meantime, the department is urging anglers to practice catch and release and or keep fewer fish to take home in areas like the Laguna Madre. Carter Smith, TPWD's executive director, said that will give the fishery more time to rebuild. The department notes that while the February freeze impacted a large area of the Texas coast, the overall number of fish killed in the event appears to be lower than the three freezes in the 1980s. The freeze in December of 1983 killed 14.4 million fish, the freeze in February of 89 killed 11.3, and the freeze in December of 89 killed 6.2 million fish. The cotton market slid back down Friday after recovering from early week losses Thursday. Lower corn prices provided an opportunity for feeder cattle futures Friday, and wheat was trading lower. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Did you know that one out of every three mouthfuls of food we eat is produced by insect pollination, most of which is done by bees? In fact, bees are vitally important to food production. That's why modern agriculture is working with beekeepers to promote bee health. Ensuring a sustainable food supply requires each of us to play our part in preserving the land and protecting pollinators. This public service announcement is brought to you by Syngenta. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Both live cattle and feeder cattle traded higher for most of the day Friday. Live cattle for April up 47 cents to 119. June live cattle up 75 cents to 120.42. August live cattle up $1.12 to 119.77. Lower corn prices presented an opportunity Friday and that pushed feeder cattle futures higher. Feeder cattle for March up $1.10 to 136.35. Feeder cattle for April up $1.95 to 143.22. Feeder cattle for May up $1.97 to 148.37. Box beef prices are higher. Choice up 35 cents to $227.02 and select up $1.38 to $221.45 with a movement of 55 loads. Now let's check the livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear that auctioneer sound off, it's time to head to Caldwell. Yep, it's the Colotch capital of Texas, but it's also the home of Caldwell Livestock Commission Company and Carl Herman. Carl, how was your Wednesday sale? You know, we had a good sale yesterday. Had a few more cattle than I thought we was going to have. We tagged over about uh, 650 head for 109 consigners, 41 buyers on a higher calf market, slightly cheaper cow market. We had 115, 20 cows and bulls, slaughter cows, 30 to 64 slaughter bulls 67 to 87 stalker cows 550 to 900 and the pairs 800 to 975 really didn't have a, a lot in the way of stalker cows yesterday on the calves on the steers two to three weight steers 160 to 192 three to four weights 168 to 195 four to five weight steers brought 158 to 190 five to six weights 140 to 166 
six to seven weights, 121 to 150, and the seven to eight weight steers, 108 to 134. Saw some pretty big steers yesterday bumping $1,000. That's pretty good territory. Two to three weight heifers, 140 to 167. Three to four weights, 141 to 172. Four to five weight heifers brought 135 to 153. Five to six weights, 122 to 147. Six to seven weights, 109 to 129. And uh, we didn't have any seven, eight weight uh, heifers. So overall, we really had a good sale yesterday. Uh, Look forward to next week. Carl, how about next week? I've got 40 pairs, Angus Angus Cross pairs coming. Uh, they'll be here Friday. We're going to sell them next Wednesday. Okay. So if uh, anybody out there needs some good young pairs, they're like from five and six years old, uh, come see us next Wednesday. My number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn at 567-4119. Or if you're in the Giddings and surrounding area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. Neighbor, that's it for Walking the Pins, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I've been your host. Texas farmers and ranchers, good day to you. Lean hogs for April down a dime at 91.40. Lean hogs for May up a dime at 93.65. Class 3 milk for March down a penny to 16.36 a hundred weight. Class 3 milk for April down 39 cents to 17.70 a hundred weight. Cotton rebounded slightly Thursday after some losses earlier in the week, but then cotton fell again on Friday. Cotton for May down 79 points to 87.56. Cotton for July down 63 points to 88.57. Cotton for December down 69 points to 84.20. Hard red wheat for May down three quarters to 603 and a half. Hard red wheat for July down one and a quarter to 608 and three quarters. Corn for September down four to 496. Corn for December down four and three quarters to 478 and three quarters. Soybeans for March trading up a quarter to 14.15 and three quarters. Soybeans for May trading down a quarter at 14.13 and one quarter. Natural gas for April was down seven cents Friday to 2.59. Natural gas for May down seven cents as well, that one to 2.62. Crude oil for April was down 53 cents on Friday to 65.49. Crude oil for May down 47 cents to 65.53. Let's head on over to the financial markets. The Dow was up 224 on Friday to 32,710. The Nasdaq down 121 points to 13,277. The S&P 500 was down 5 points Friday to 3,934. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Remember, we'll be right here next time to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dulmolt, sitting in for Kerry Martin. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.